Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of It's Brewing at McEwen, a USF baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mark Giardino, and today I'll be joined by one of my co-hosts, John Kaplan. Today's episode features John and I previewing the pitching staff for the upcoming 2023 season. This is the second and final part of our season preview series. If you missed part one, which covered position players, be sure to check that out as well. In today's episode, we cover every pitcher on the roster and break down what type of roles we think they'll be in and the impact they might be able to have on this season. The season starts in just three days at home against number 12 ranked Maryland. We'll be hosting our first Bruin tailgate on Saturday the 18th at 11 a.m. right before the second game of opening weekend. That will be in lot 18 by the soccer stadium. Without further ado, let's get into the show. This is Mark Gardino with the It's Brewing at McEwen podcast. I'm here with my co-host today, John Kaplan. Uh, Matt's not available today, but we're making it work with the two of us. Um, so we want to preview the upcoming season for you guys um, in terms of the pitchers. Um, our last show that Matt and I did we went position by position, talked about the position players, but with pitching, having so as many players as it does felt appropriate to make it its own show. So kind of the way we want to approach this is kind of think about different phases of, of, of pitching. And I think we'll kind of break it out into uh, potential starters and then talk about maybe some back-end setup man, closer type roles, and then also kind of like mid-relief, um, maybe we'll even touch on midweek starters, guys that kind of have that ability to to start, but maybe they're they will uh, especially the younger players. They they would if the, if there's a younger starting pitcher, you probably see them get a start in the midweek as opposed to the weekend. So we'll kind of touch on like all those themes and where we kind of just from what we've gathered. Um, John went to two to three scrimmages in the fall. Um, I went to two to three scrimmages as well. And uh, the good thing is we went to different scrimmages. So we got kind of our eyes on a lot of different kind of things um, in the fall. And then uh, in the spring, we've been just kind of reading, reading some reports from D1 Baseball, Baseball America, perfect game, kind of consolidating what we see, what we saw ourselves with, you know, what we're reading uh, from the media as well. So try to give you the best, most accurate, up-to-date information that we can and uh, just give you a little preview of the season coming up. So we'll start it off um, talking about the the starting rotation. Um, I think the first thing we should address with the starting rotation is just the fact that um, there's guys from last year that are not here anymore who had a big role in terms of starting. Uh, Jack Jasiak, he was your Friday night guy before he got hurt halfway through the season. He's now in the Gar- Cleveland, Gar- yep. Cle- uh, Cleveland Guardians organization. Brad Lord was a starter for us the whole season. He's in the Washington Nationals organization now. Um, so, yeah, in terms of starting pitchers, there is a lot of opportunity for, for new guys to step into those roles. Um, so, uh, John, I want to kick it to you. When when you think of starting pitchers uh, for this 2023 season, what are some of the first couple names that pop into your head, and and why do you why do you feel that way about 
about those people? Um, so just through covering uh, the team with you guys over the past few years and then um, doing my own research, you know, just seeing them in the scrimmages and the intra squads, all that. Um, I would say that uh, two to three names as far as the starting rotation have really emerged in, in my personal opinion, uh, which means nothing in terms for what, what we're actually going to see opening weekend. Cause I don't think anybody knows at this point. Um, but I mean, the three clear big dogs in the, in the rotation, in my, my opinion, have to have to be boogie um, as a Friday night starter, um, Jackson Cawthorn, um, he, his stuff is electric and every pitch is moving. He's got the velo. He's got control of more than two pitches. Um, and either for that third week, um, I, I, I would say if I get like a top four, I would put, um, grouse in that top four. I heard he's had a great summer and an extremely productive fall. Um, and I would also put, um, Hootie in as well, just because of his pitching IQ, um, you know, he's always, he's, he's pitching to contact. Um, he, what he lacks in below, he has in life on every single pitch. He can make, he can throw a ball into a lefty away from a lefty or completely just make it eat dirt. Um, he's really crafty and I love watching him work. And actually at one of the scrimmages that I went to in the fall, he was, I think he put up four or five no hit innings and, uh, didn't even look gassed towards the end. So, um, Jack Siebert is also up there for me as well. So it's it's really, I mean, with all the new names coming in, I mean, we're looking at it right here. You know, it's it's tough to know, you know, what kind of um, role some of these names are going to hold. You know, and when when do names like Austin Austin Grouse and Tyler Dietz make that leap from you know uh, two pitch bullpen guys to you know really harnessing in on that third pitch and um, focusing on you know longer outings, longevity, as opposed to uh, letting it all go for one to two innings at a time. But um, with with the additions and with, you know, um, some incoming freshmen that I don't know too, too much about, um, I'm really not – I'm really actually kind of proud of how we responded to all the losses because we got to remember that Orion Kirkering, uh, who's now in the Phillies organization um, – we got to remember the role that he held in our rotation, whether we agreed with it or not, you know, cause we, I think any, anybody on the brewing crew was, and you know, we were happy while it was working, but we, we were all kind of on the, on the way that he should have, you know, remained as our closer. Cause that's where he was elite, you know, like he was not getting touched. Um, and if it went longer, it went longer. Like when we won the championship against UCF, I think it went like five innings in a close, but um, yeah, I, uh, We've got a lot of ground to make up, but I think that we've done well with transfers, uh, the transfer portal, and and also incoming freshmen. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think uh, one thing I want to follow up on with that is some of the names you brought up there that come to your minds initially when you think of starting pitchers. You mentioned Ethan Brown as a Friday night guy, and I can see that, and I think there's a strong case for that because uh, Ethan Brown had the most starts of any returning pitcher that's coming back this year. He had nine, he started nine games for us. Um, he he threw 47 innings, so he's already showing he can handle a bit of a load and he can handle more than that. He's a fifth year senior. Um, last year was his first year with USF and he had pitched in junior college before that. 
And just in terms of his productive uh, stats from the left side, uh, and if you look at FIP, fielding independent pitching, which is a kind of look at it like you look at ERA, similar, but it's actually more focused on what pitchers can control instead of the defense. He had a 4.18, which was the second best on the team for, for people that are coming back. And I think the fact that he can put up a solid FIP like that and also do it over the span of 47 or more innings kind of shows you that he's durable but also effective. So I, I really like that. It's a good name to think of in that, in that spot. Um, Jackson uh, is another name you mentioned that you got to see pitch in the fall. He transferred in from Memphis. This is his first – or actually started with Memphis, won Juco. Now he's here. Um, he's a guy as well that has experience actually starting games at a Division One level. He did that at Memphis. Um, so that kind of makes his case strong in addition to what you mentioned about his actual stuff. And then uh, the other names you kind of thought of as well, Austin Grouse. Uh, he started some games for us last season as a true freshman in some midweeks and things like that. And he's he's pretty electric. And I think if he builds out a full-out three-pitch repertoire instead of, um, you know, the fastball slider, which is kind of his bread and butter, I think you're right. He does have a, a strong case for that as well. And uh, Hootie, it can't, can't forget him because – he had the best FIP of any pitcher that's coming back, 3.26. Um, he was definitely our best pitcher last season for the players that are coming back um, in terms of productiveness. And he's a lefty. He doesn't throw particularly hard, kind of like you mentioned. He's high 80s, but mentally he's really tough. He loves to compete. Uh, he, lo- he knows how to lock in, focus, and just get batters out, which is all a college coach really wants. Um so those are great options, but I also want to bring up a couple other names that have popped up as potential starters as well. Uh, the Mink Twins, um, Hunter Mink, that. yeah, Hunter Mink, um, you know, is entering. Uh, they're, they're twins, so they're both entering their fourth year of college baseball. Uh, I'll start with Hunter. Um, you know, he started his career with the Gators. Uh, he played there for two years um, before coming to USF. And last year at USF, he was pretty much untouchable in this kind of like closer setup role he bet he had going there for a little bit. Kind of got into some struggles more towards the end of the season as they kind of tried to stretch him out into like longer roles and stuff. But, you know, he's had a whole offseason to kind of learn from that and uh, to, to really develop. So I, I could and he, he, he throws harder than his twin Tanner. Hunter will live like in the mid nineties and Tanner will live in the low nineties or high eighties. Um, so yeah, I think Hunter has a really good chance to earn a starting spot as well. Maybe even a weekend starting spot because he is a fourth year player and has experience. Uh, Tanner is another guy that, you know, Hunter's twin brother, uh, just a little bit smaller, a little bit less velocity than, than his brother Hunter. Uh, there was like 91, 92, but he's got a nasty curve. Um, very athletic. I mean, he came to USF as a position player and converted to pitcher. So he's uh, really progressed each year that he's been That's at USF. I yeah. did not know that about Tanner. Yeah. So he, when he came to USF in the 2020 season, he was a position player. And then in the 2020 fall, um, apparently Caleb Punsack told me he had the best batting average <laughs> of the <laughs> <laughs> But uh 
apparently him and coach mole had a conversation to say like look like you want to be a pro your best chance is probably going to be as a pitcher um and he he converted to pitcher in spring 21 um he's gradually <laughs> taken on bigger a bigger role um last season he pitched 31 innings which is uh one of the biggest roles of any returning pitcher that we have um and he had actually the best era um of our returning pitchers um that are active this season so he he's a he's a solid candidate as well so there's there's like six seven so jack siebert is another another option that i agree with that you mentioned earlier um you know he made five starts last season and he really showed uh, a lot of flashes of, of a lot of potential for the future. I mean, he was only a freshman last year starting five games. Um, he's got four pitches, which is I think one of the few guys on the staff mm-hmm. that legit, that legitimately does have four pitches. And, you know, it's, it's a fastball in the low nineties. Could it could, he could creep up to the mid nineties this year. Um, curveball, slider, changeup, And he's got a feel for all four of them. And, I think he's a guy that if he puts it all together and just kind of uses the experience that he had last season and kind of learns from it, um, he's a guy that I feel like could definitely step into at the very least midweek starter, but potentially a weekend starter if he, you know, puts it all together. So let me, uh, let me add something in there. Um, I'm like, so I think everybody, anybody who would listen to this knows that I'm, I'm real high on, um, Ethan Brown, but I don't talk enough about Jack. Um, that kid, man, when on the starts that he ran into, you know, some speed bumps, um, I think there was a start against FAU that he got, um, he, he, he let go some early runs. But whenever he comes into contact with adversity, the kid takes it on the chin and presses on. You know, he doesn't, that's what I liked seeing from him as a freshman was that he was willing to take a, it, when he took a blow, he didn't get knocked down. If he got knocked down, he got up quickly, you know, and kept fighting. Um, because like you said, his, uh, his um, four pitch arsenal, his velo and his control of those four pitches, um, as well as uh, the poise that, you know, I was kind of bringing in there at the end. I, I think that, um, People may people may uh, have something to say about this, but um, he's got all the makings, in my opinion, to to lead a rotation of USF's caliber. I just think we have to be patient with him, and that if he if he were to stay with us for, you know, because he's a sophomore this year, um, uh, I've been talking to him just here and there, and um, I heard that his velo is gone up over the summer. He was somebody that I really wanted to pay attention to because as a freshman, I was really high on him. Um, he got his chance to shine and in spots he did and spots, there were more learning moments, but um, I think uh, I told you and Maddie this, like he's my, uh, he's my dark horse for the rotation just because I, I want to see the progressions. Definitely. Yeah. So I think, I think we gave you kind of seven uh, names that we are kind of considering in our minds as uh, contenders for those three weekend spots and like that fourth or fifth midweek spot. Cause sometimes you're going to have two midweek games. Um, so we kind of, so the seven names that we kind of really highlighted uh, from, from our take was really 
Um, Ethan Brown, who's uh, second year of the Bulls, uh, fifth year senior. Uh, Jackson Cawthron, uh, first year of the Bulls, he's a junior. Um, the Mink Twins, they're uh, both in their fourth year uh, of college baseball. Um, Nolan Hootie is uh, technically the age of like a senior, but he had a couple redshirt years. So he's like a second year, technically. Um, and then uh, Grouse and Siebert are, are really those uh, second year guys. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that Bunch shakes of dogs. out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong yeah, with any yeah. of those guys. And there's always the potential that there's names we haven't even mentioned yet who just really show something and, and maybe in these last few spring scrimmages and maybe when they get their opportunities in midweek games or, or anything like that, that maybe they end up starting some games as well as the season rolls on. But now we haven't seen any games yet this year. This is kind of the way we see it right now. Um, so from that, I would say let's move from the starting pitching conversation more to um, a closing and setup situation. So let's say, for example, John, um, you get a nice six inning start from Ethan Brown. Uh, you're holding on to a four to two lead. You're entering the seventh inning. Who do you want to bring into the game? Uh, and how do you see that game finishing? I, I would say that uh, it's important to switch it up to go from lefty to right, you know, switch up the eye level um on the batters so i would probably go with um tanner um just because i think he's gonna i think he's gonna hold that role of just the i i think he could he could see a lot of appearances out of the bullpen uh should he hold that role uh for for our team this year so i would probably go with tanner um have him try to lock down at least one full inning um from there uh you know, it really just depends on, you know, what we want our identity to be. Um, in the in years past, our bullpen has always kind of been a little bit craftier, you know, um, you know, with not a lot of high velo guys, but balls that, uh, you know, balls that dance all over the place or pitchers that try to be Nestor Cortez with their windups. Shout out to Sanchez. But uh, no, um, I think that I would stick with, I would try to go with velo. I think that uh, the times that, you know, we've gotten shut down out of the bullpen from other teams, it's been just overpowering stuff, you know, that we weren't used to seeing. So I think that we've got to match fire with fire. And probably I, I'm, I'm looking to see it really depends on who they use it in the starting positions. But um, Tyler Dietz, I think, could hold a huge role in the back end of the bullpen just because of his velo. Um, you don't have to you don't have to be a fastball you don't have to be like a three pitch guy to be a good effective back end guy. So um, if he's just going um, fastball, what is he fastball slider? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that, that can be plenty effective as long as he can change up the speeds from his, you know, 98, 96 and 98 mile per hour fastball. I think his slider is like 92. Um, but if he can take a little bit off that and, you know, kind of mix things in a little bit, he could be really good. And um I also like uh, Parker Say for back into the rotation. Um, for sure. I don't know. I don't know if I would bring him in right after Ethan, just because uh, with the lefty on lefty, but um, they're they're similar stylistically, just from the sense that you know they they've got some velo, 
Um, really good, really good sliders. Um, and they're both on the left side, but Parker says at the top of my list for back into the rotation guys, just because I've seen him throw and he's, he's got some amazing life on his pitches. Uh, and, um, our stats are showing like low nineties. He was at that scrimmage. I remember talking to, um, a few guys in the dugout and also a few parents of the pitchers and, um, they were saying like that coach is not having him throwing anything over than 80%. And uh, Parker was throwing, was sitting 90 to 91 and just looked so effortless. He definitely, he definitely popped out to me. And then um, I would say for closer, it's probably going to be between Tyler and Parker, just because I don't admittedly, I don't know. I'm waiting to see how all of these, transfers and freshmen pan out and also how our rotation pans out because um you know we've been known to we've been known to deploy a bullpen matchup on on midweek games so who's to say we even have a midweek starter you know um i would i would hope that we do that's i would like for that to be our, our identity have a one through four you know some structure uh but who knows anything can happen. So we kind of have to adapt our projections from there, but, um, mink, uh, so Tanner, um, my, oh man, I completely forgot about Hunter there too. Um, because no, I, think, I think, I think you're okay. Cause I think, I think Hunter, I have a feeling he is going to potentially be used more as a starting role, but okay. I know what you mean though. Yeah. I think he was I think just such an elite him. closer for us, dude. He was, he was so good. He was. Yeah, no, I I think those are some really good names that you bring up for like high leverage relief situations, like important mm-hmm. relief situations where like you are trying to protect a lead, a a a, a, a small lead. Th- those situations are so important, and you need to have a guy that you could bring in two to three times a week in those high leverage spots that's going to hold the lead for you, or that's going to maybe maybe Ethan Brown is in the middle of the sixth inning and now he's got a couple of base runners. His pitch count gets up. Now you need to bring in a guy that can get one or two outs, keep the damage off the board. Um, and then pitch another inning after that. Nolan kind of did that a bit for us last year, but you know, I could see him if he moves to starting pitcher, someone else has got to do that. Um, but no, man, it's like you do need a guy that comes in two or three times a week, high leverage spots, you want a few guys that could do that. And I think you're right. I yeah. think Tanner Mink, Tanner Mink is a guy that could do that, as is Tyler Dietz and as is Parker C.A. Um, I think it's nice with Parker C.A., the fact that he's a lefty and he could throw above 90 miles an hour. Um, that makes me feel comfortable and confident, especially maybe we had a right-handed pitcher starting, and now all of a sudden maybe he's getting into a little bit of trouble in the sixth inning. And the other team's got like a big lefty coming up with base runners on. It's like, oh crap! Like, you know, our right-handed starting pitcher is on pitch count number ninety-five, and he's facing a lefty, and he's a right-handed pitcher. It's an uncomfortable spot for him and for the coaches. What if he could bring in Parker C.A. who's going to come in off from the left side, face that left-handed batter, bring ninety-two, bring a nasty slider. Now all of a sudden, it's like, hey, we got out of that jam. Um, yeah, I could, I could see him being used in that way. It's not easy to find lefties that can throw 
you know, in the nineties with secondary stuff that's effective. Um, so it's, it's good that we have him. Um, and I think when, as I'm on this topic, there, there are some freshmen that, that could kind of get to that role eventually, but you know, we'll, we'll save that for, for a different part, but, um, yeah, so I think you're right, man. I think high leverage relief. I'm I'm looking at Tanner, Tyler, and and Parker as well. Um, so yeah, for the back end, I'm saying uh, look for high spin rate guys, and I I don't have the like the metrics on that as far as individually who's who's spin rates are where, but um, just looking at a fastball, you know, from behind the plate. Uh, you can tell Hunter Mink probably has one of the higher spin rates on the team. Um, his fastball just kind of starts elevated. And if it starts elevated, it's staying elevated. Um, uh, I would say the same thing about Parker C.A. Uh, sorry about the pronunciation earlier. Um, I feel like he's a high spin rate guy just judging based off of like uh, eye test. You know, like looking at his fastball, it feels like a very high spin rate fastball um, and maybe might have made it appear to have more life than it really did because if they're high spin rate, that's going to look like it's coming in a little bit hotter than it is too. So um, back into the rotation guys, I think spin rate is something we need to concentrate on big time. Definitely. I think, I think a guy who can also provide that one name that you didn't mention uh, for the high leverage relief. I think you might see Riley skiing used in that, in that area as well, just because that's the role that he had with a uh, Florida Southwestern state college, uh, who's one of the better JUCOs in Florida. And he really held down that, uh, like setup kind of closer ish role for a, a really solid JUCO team. Uh, he's a two pitch guy. Like he throws us fast. He's a right-handed pitcher. So you can almost think of him as like a right-handed version of CA where, you know, you're getting a JUCO guy. He's going to throw a fastball slider primarily. Um, and his, his slider from some scouting reports I read, is a pretty high spin rate um, pitch that moves. Uh, it's got a slurve kind of two plane kind of movement. It's not really a curve, not really a slider, somewhere between low 80s. Um, he can be effective with that pitch. I think that's kind of like a relief pitcher uh, type of model that he kind of uh, archetype that he kind of reminds me of. So I, I could see Riley um, getting some high leverage relief appearances as well. So is Riley a low three quarters guy? Um, I'm not sure actually. His the slot that he kind of throws from, I, I'm not sure. I, I remember reading he had an interesting arm slot. I'm excited to see him work though because, um, early projections that I was hearing through the grapevine were that he was kind of being considered for the closer role. So, um, that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier though. It's it's, it's all how stuff pans out, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on, you know, behind closed doors that we're not seeing, that we're not privy to. So, um, you know, all I know is come Friday, it's time to shit or get off the pot, you know, and I'm, I'm so ready for USF baseball to get back going because it's been far too long. We, the, uh, the, the break is finally over and uh, no better time than with Maryland coming to town. Oh my gosh. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Um, I feel like we did a good job there covering starters, covering high leverage relief. Um, I think the last kind of area that I want to 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 talk about is guys who are projecting to start the year 
in low leverage roles. So that means they they might start they might appear in a game where maybe you're winning by five or more runs or you're losing by five or more runs. So they might not come into the game when there's higher implications, but they are projected to get innings. And these are guys who, if they do good, when they get appearances in those low leverage situations, you might see come April, come May, that they might be pitching in high leverage situations. Um, it happens every year. There's always guys that claim a bigger role than they were projected to initially have. Um, so with that said, let's talk about some of the guys that kind of fit into that category today, but you know, we'll see where they end up at the end of the year. So I think the first name that we kind of have here on our list is uh, Dylan Vega. Um, we saw him pitch a pretty decent amount last year, actually. If he had 20 innings approximately, um, it was kind of a funny season for him because he actually did get the opportunity to start four games. And then um, he had an injury where he didn't really pitch for like six weeks or so. And when he came back, it just wasn't quite the same. Um, so he's kind of like a mystery, really, because we didn't really get to see a full season of him. Um, he spent a one year in JUCO and then he came to USF last year. Um, so it's the second year with the Bulls. Um, do you have any recollection of, of memories of watching him at all, John? I do, yeah. Um, we uh, we were deploying him as like a Sunday Sunday starter to like a midweek starter um, early on in the season before his injury last year. Um, and I thoroughly remember watching one of his starts where – um, he got the, he got the W is a midweek game, um, where, you know, everything looked effortless and, and, um, he was hitting his spots and, um, I really like, I really like how he mixes, mixes in three different pitches. Like he's, he's got all the tools, you know, he's, uh, I think if I remember correctly, he sits low nineties, like 90 to 92. Um, but, and, and he's got that fire that, that I like from pitchers on a mound. Um, uh, he's just got that spark, you know, that is infectious to teams. So like when, when he gets that, that inning, to cl- that strike out to close out an inning, he can fire up the, the staff. But um, I agree with you. He's kind of a, he's like, like you said, um, he's, 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 it's a mystery as of right now. Yeah. yeah what role sure. he's going to hold and, and how effective he'll be in that role. Yeah, it, it is kind of a mystery, and we're looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, next name we got on our list is a guy we know really well, Caleb Punsack. Um, he's entering his third year in the program. Um, he's a guy that he's shown a lot of flashes of brilliance, and he's had some kind of more learning moment appearances. It's been a mixed bag of results for him so far in his two years as a bull, um, but if you want to talk about ability and the tools to be effective, he definitely has it. And he's pitching from the left side. He's in the low nineties. He's got a nice curveball, and he added a, another pitch, like a slider type of pitch that he integrated into his game during the summer. And so he, he, um, he has a lot of a, a potential. He just has to be more consistent. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Um. 
I actually was really high on Caleb Punsack towards the end of the season. Um, he came in some pretty big leverage spots um, there, you know, in the, once we started conference play that um, he's not a guy that's going to blow everybody away. He will get his strikeouts, but he pitches to contact. Um, saw him pitch in the fall a little bit. He looked really good. Um, could be a solid mid-relief guy for us. Yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. And he's a guy that, again, if he kind of, you know, really shows consistency when he gets his maybe his mid-leverage, low-leverage appearances, if he shows consistency there, he's a guy that Billy Mole has used in high-leverage situations before. It's just not a role that mm-hmm. he's consistent. It's not. It's just not a role that he's consistently sustained for the whole season. But yeah, I've seen him come into games where it's a, a tight game and he, he does a good job. It's just can he sustain that for the whole season? Can is that where he can live, or is he going to live more in that um, mid relief uh, range this season? But we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, I think Justin Jackson is the next guy that we should bring up in terms of you know. Um, low leverage spots that had potential to become a bigger thing, you know, uh, kind of like Joey Vellini last year. Um, he started out in some lower leverage games, you know, um, and held his own in those games and started getting more opportunities. I think he ended up with like 14 appearances last year. Um, so I, I anticipate a similar role for Justin Jackson that Joey Vellini held. Um, I, don't he's not quite as uh, much to to deal with in terms of velo. Uh, Justin Jackson isn't, but he's uh, he's a freshman who's still got a lot of growing to do. Um, and I think that once he finally grows into his like he's his size a little bit, um, I think that you'll see him start to reach you know uh, low to maybe even mid nineties just because he's got that he's got the build. Um, he's got a real uh, like a real crafty delivery and wind up. He hides the ball really well. Um, almost a wind up kind of similar to Chris sale. I think we were talking about that earlier. He's, <clears throat> he's really deceptive. And um, I was able to uh, talk a lot in detail with his dad while we were watching a scrimmage one time. Um, he's, he's never going to be the guy that's going to, you know, give up a bunch of walks, you know, he pitches to contact and he's a gamer, you know, he throws a lot of strikes and um, I like a freshman that's going to come in and go right after these players. Yeah, for sure. He, he definitely is a guy, especially knowing that he had, was getting some reps in in the fall. And um, when you were telling me, when you were watching him live, you were texting me that you, you like what you were seeing from him. And um, I haven't got to watch him in person yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him and definitely, no, he has a pretty good background. Um, a few other names that I'm, I'm a little maybe more familiar with than uh, than John. Um, we have uh, another transfer that he actually came from JUCO, but the last time he actually played in a college baseball game was in Division One. That was at Duke University. His name is Mason Manriquez. He's a, uh, I think he's a junior, third year of college ball, um, right-handed pitcher. Um, he's coming off of a uh, injury last season. He didn't pitch at all last season at, at his Juco, but, um, the, you know, he was recruited based on, uh, you know, his background with Duke and his high school background. Um, he, he had, he was a, a really high prospect out of high school and that's why he got an offer to go to Duke. Um, for him, I think this season is just a matter of, will he be healthy enough to, 
to pitch. And uh, it sounds like he's been throwing off the mound. So there's potential that he will be helping out to pitch. And I would imagine uh, having been away for that long, that if he does pitch this year, he'll come in like maybe smaller roles, smaller innings, lower leverage, just to get his feet wet again. But he's a guy that if he ramps up as the season goes on, could could definitely carve out a big role. He's got that pedigree of, you know, being a power five recruit. Um, you always like to see that. Um, then we also have uh, Corbin Little is a true freshman. Uh, he's from George Jenkins High School in Lakeland. Um, he's a left-handed pitcher. Um, I don't know too much about his game just because in the fall he was kind of nursing an injury. And he is now pitching in spring camp. Um, so he's all I really know is he's a left-handed pitcher um, freshman that kind of gives some depth uh, to the bullpen in terms of, in terms of lefties. Cause he, you know, how baseball is, you need to have left-handed arms. Um, I'm interested to see how, how his first year with the bulls progresses and if he's able to carve out um, a role for himself in his freshman year. Um Josh Cohn is a left-handed freshman also, um, but I could speak a little more to him because I watched him in the fall and I uh, have to say he might be my sleeper for the season. Um, he was extremely impressive uh, in the fall scrimmages that I watched. He's in the low 90s from the left side. Um, he has good mound presence. He looks like he uh, is in like his fourth year of college ball, very mature, Um goes right after hitters, not scared at all. Um, he was doing so well in the scrimmage that I watched that they actually had to lengthen the inning. They had to like create more outs in the <laughs> inning so that so that more players could get the hit. Um, so shout out shout out to you, Josh Cohn. You were you were balling when I saw you in the fall. Um, I think you're gonna. I think he's got a a good chance to be an impact rookie for the Bulls for sure. Um, other other uh, freshmen that I, I'm a little more familiar with, um, Chandler Dorsey. I, I got to see him pitch. Um, he's a really interesting prospect. He's a true freshman, right-handed pitcher, um, big, bigger guy. I think he's 6'4". Um, velocity is really good. I mean, he, he missed his whole senior year of uh, high school baseball with injury, but he now is uh, recovered and – I saw him in the fall through a 91 when, you know, he was probably just going 70%. I mean, I, I bet you right now he's up to the mid nineties. I wouldn't doubt it. He was originally a Miami hurricanes recruit actually. Um, but when he had the injury uh, in his senior year of high school, so I guess some things fell through with that and we're kind of fortunate with the bulls to be able to grab him and have him at USF. So he's a guy that can make an impact. Um Another very, very similar freshman to Chandler, and they're actually pretty good friends, is uh, Fulton Lockhart. Uh, he's also a 6'4 freshman, right-handed pitcher. Another guy that's like mid-90s and is pretty electric, and he he's definitely a name to keep an eye on as well. Um, the last two guys that we haven't mentioned, but definitely worth mentioning, um, also freshman, freshman right-handed pitchers. Uh, Austin Newton is a freshman. Uh, he went to the A3 Academy here in Tampa, kind of like a baseball academy. He's six foot six, 227 is what he's listed on the roster. 
he's a, he's a monster. He's a big guy. Um, he's been getting a lot of love from his teammates in terms of uh, how he's been progressing uh, in fall and spring camp. Um, we ask the team sometimes, like, who's like your standout freshman? They'll they'll say Austin Newton. Um, so he's he's a guy that could make an impact. And then Lawson Gailey is a freshman right-handed pitcher, uh, six foot one seventy nine. Uh, he's a freshman from Lavonia, Georgia. Um, one of our, I think, two freshman Georgia recruits, which is kind of cool to see. Um, and he uh, he's known for his changeup. Uh, I think I asked somebody, like, who's got the nastiest pitch on the team? And they told me Lawson Gailey's changeup. So I'll, we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that plans out. I did get to. No, I actually, I, I showed up to a scrimmage that he was pitching. I showed up a little bit late, so I didn't get to see him pitch, but um, he, he he did pitch in the fall, and he is pitching in the spring, so he's another guy that could kind of carve out a role. Um, John, do you have any uh, kind of like closing comments or thoughts on on some of the lower mid-leverage roles? Um, <clears throat> no, I think I just overall, like for like a closing thought in general, um, having paid as much attention to the pitching staff as I did last year, I, that's always been like my avenue. I, I just want to see some identity, you know, um, and that comes from the coaching staff early on because these, these kids need to know what their role is on a, on a division one baseball team that, that their fan bases and even some of their players are predicting, you know, possibly a conference conference run, you know, we need to establish an identity early on. These guys need to have roles that this we're not, we're not going to be able to be the Tampa Bay Rays every season where we just kind of figure it out on the fly. Um, that's not going to work against, you know, some of these high, high leverage opponents we got coming in early on, you know, our um, out of conference schedule is um, a lot steeper this year. And I think uh, we're going to, we're going to find that out quickly. Um, so I think that establishing order early on and not only in the starting rotation, but in the bullpen and in uh, the, the middle and back end of the bullpen as well. Like I think we need structure and we need identity um, to create these roles. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think uh, it's, it would be very beneficial to the, the players as well. Kind of like, I would say knowing, um, what what their role is because I think that impacts the way that you prepare and it kind of impacts the way you train almost like if you know that you have a four five six seven inning role as a starter you know endurance becomes more of a factor and trying to learn how to get hitters out without being able to throw a hundred percent velo on every on every pitch Whereas if you know that you're coming in for one inning, you're like, yeah, I can ramp it up because this is the only thing I'm going to throw today. I can, I can try to, you know, peak out in my, uh, my effort or velocity, however you want to call it on, on each pitch. You, you kind of saw that with Orion Kirkering last year, where when he was a closer, you know, he would throw like 96, 97, but when he became a starter, he, you know, he can't, he can't really sustain that over six innings. So he would kind of adapt his game and pitch 91, 92. But the thing is, 
for me, in my opinion, that's kind of a lot to ask for a college player. You kind of want them to know what their role is and let them uh, get good at that, if you, especially if you're trying to win games and you want each player to perform at their peak. They got to be able to prepare for that. So. I'd like to see our starters go deeper as well. I would say like the average start for our rotation last last season it even to to even say 3.1 as opposed to three innings would be in my opinion a little bit steep like i feel like anywhere from 3 to 4 innings was where our guys were getting pulled and then that's when when games got away from us they would get away in those early to mid innings that uh were kind of tweener innings from our starting rotation to our normal uh normal bullpen guys but uh just one more little add-on thing i'd love to see some more longevity from our rotation yeah i i agree 100 um yeah he sums it up really well so that's all we got um thank you everybody for joining um we will see you all on opening night be there pack the red